help support your local businesses. Whether they are your corner stores, coffee spots, or favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you are there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. Welcome to the Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the Tweet Machine. You guys know where to follow me. I'm verified. But make sure you remind Chris to call it the Tweet Machine so he, too, can have a blue check. Chris, talk to him. What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206 and that's CKID206. Right, you're lost, Chris. The blue check is how you get the ladies. <laughs> um, we're continuing week three of our... Our uh, opponent beat writer preview series. Uh, shout out uh, to Tori who did week one and to Tyler Tynes of the Ringer who did uh, week two. Uh, week three, we have as the Seahawks are ready for the Cowboys. We have the homie who covers Dallas for the Athletic. We have John Mashoda. John, what up, baby? How you doing? I'm doing well, guys. Looking forward to talking a little football about the Seahawks and I don't know. I guess uh, two not good defenses. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, no. We'll get we'll get to the on field. Uh, aspect of it and how both teams are basically playing with 10 men on defense uh but but first i want to talk about uh there were two conversations that dominated the the world it felt like this summer it was the pandemic and it was racial injustice and police brutality and most uh, the sports world was all over it protests everywhere statements everywhere and it felt like jerry jones owner of the cowboys was was notably quiet uh and when he did speak if he did at all, I feel like he was uh, reiterating stances he's already previously made about the anthem and standing. Uh, what did you make of Jerry's kind of maybe lack of involvement when the whole world was talking about like police brutality this summer? It, it was it was stunning because the thing is, like, I'm not saying that every single person should speak on every single topic, especially if you don't feel comfortable. Um, but like Jerry Jones is just known for having an opinion on just about everything, uh, let alone stuff that involves, you know, that obviously is going to impact his team. And, and, and he's been just so vocal about the anthem in the past, about, you know, players standing and having their toe on the line during the national anthem. So when things like that are going on in our country and, and other teams are, you know, talking about it, you just assume that. You know, Jerry Jones is going to is just going to talk about it. And, and I thought about that from just my own perspective of covering this team, because, I mean, it's just it's just different. I'm originally from Detroit, so I grew up following, you know, the Lions and I get down here and I'm just like I got down here about 10 years ago. And I was just stunned that I was like, Jerry Jones talks on the radio during the season twice a week. <laughs> and, then, and then we get him and then we get him outside the locker room after every game like this is going to be every game's like this. And so while you appreciate it to a certain extent, I know some of the writers have been doing this for a longer time 
like it when he doesn't talk after games. It makes their job a little bit easier. I personally enjoy it, but because uh, he usually says something that turns into some type of a headline or you know produces content for you. Um, so yeah, no, I was very surprised that that he didn't uh, say anything initially, and he kind of just he kind of sat it out and, and 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 waited, and and we really didn't hear from him for it seemed like two three months. And then when he finally addressed it, it was he was kind of in a gray area where it didn't sound he wasn't he didn't sound like he was as adamant as he was before. It seemed like he had a better understanding, but you could tell he still made it clear that he would prefer that all of the players stand for the national anthem. And then as we got closer to week one, you could tell he started softening his stance even more. Again, reiterating, you everyone knows where, the, where I stand and, and where, where, what we want is the Dallas Cowboys being America's team. But you know, we're going to have grace. That was the word he kept using of grace, and I think it was his way of saying of having understanding and, and understanding to everyone, and not just having things done a, a certain way. And, if, and and basically, to me, even though he didn't say this, it was if, if players want to kneel and. and, and have some type of silent protest during the national anthem. I'm going to be open and understanding to that. I know fans aren't, but uh, fans of the Dallas Cowboys, a, a lot of them don't like that. And and so he he tried to toe the line on it. But there's a you know Don Terry Poe is the first Cowboys player ever to kneel during the national anthem, and that happened in Week One. And then again uh, here for the home opener this past Sunday. And, and Jerry Jones hasn't said anything you know negative about it. Um, he hasn't said really anything about it since it, it happened. You know Don Terry Poe talked here for the game about it, but he was the very first player to do that. Um, and so I, I didn't know how Jerry would, would handle it. Now again, because of COVID nineteen, we're not able to get Jerry after games outside a locker room because we're up in the press box and and he hasn't been made available so um but as of where we're at right now we haven't you know he hasn't really commented on it um since he's had a player now now kneel for the anthem you know and one of the one of the the next elements of the player kind of anti uh police brutality movement is calling out their uh the owners or ownership or just white people in general general to join the fight um have you been able to get a, a read on maybe just through zoom how the players felt about kind of Jerry's whole stance on everything, his silence this summer. Have you gotten a read on that? So it's interesting because they, I mean, obviously for the Dallas Cowboys, they've had a lot of uh, outspoken players over the years. You know, I mean, even just looking, just take it back to last year, you know, a lot of us that covered the team thought Michael Bennett would kneel uh, before a game after they signed him um, just because he hadn't in the past. And, um, or actually, you know, I don't even know. I don't know if Michael Bennett actually kneeled. I think he might have sat on the bench, but he didn't uh, when he when he signed after he signed with the Cowboys. And so um, it was kind of one of these things where you're like, well, the Cowboys are just a team that they're just not going to have a, a, a player silent protest during the anthem. And so obviously, players have been asked about it leading up throughout training camp, and then as the season has come about. And so John Terry Poe is the only one that had made it pretty clear, yeah, I'm still going to kneel. At first, the wait, when training camp started, it sounded like they wanted to do something together as a team and be unified. But as we got closer to week one, it's and players were asked about it, it was more, hey, everyone's going to do their individual thing. And whatever everybody chooses to do, we're going to be supportive of our teammates. And it turned into more like that. But I will say in the offseason, the, 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 there was three specific uh, instances that really stood out from a Cowboys perspective and in this topic we're talking about and it's one is Richard Sherman came out and basically said that you know I want to hear something from Jerry Jones he has you know he comments like I said earlier on just about every topic why isn't he commenting on this and then Gerald McCoy and Don Terry both Don Terry Poe both had uh comments about wanting to hear from Jerry too in a Bleacher Report article that that uh 
that they were interviewed for. And, and, and so for me, I was like, oh, this is interesting because these are two new players. They just signed with the Cowboys in March. And so um, that was another one that, you know, both of them were vocal about it. And so, uh, yeah, that's basically the only thing leading up to, to week one that we really heard. But then we go out in the field and, or we see the field on, on, on Sunday at AT&T Stadium. And behind the bench, you know, how it is in all these stadiums is that they have seats marked off because they don't want fans sitting, you know, anywhere near this this you know, the team, obviously, for fans in the stands, situations like AT&T Stadium had on Sunday with 21,000 people in the stands. So they have that, and they and usually they're used as advertisement. That's what the AT&T Stadium's doing. That's what I've seen other stadiums do. Behind the Cowboys bench is a huge American flag. Like, it's like, it's not a real a flag. It's like a basically like a picture of a flag that it stretches the length of the entire bench uh, uh, behind the Cowboys bench so if you see any photos from on the sideline during the game you see this huge American flag behind it and I just found that interesting because it is such a uh, 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 you know a hot button issue it's such a hot topic right now and it's just one of those things where I feel like Jerry Jones wants that he knows the Cowboys are, are viewed as America's team and so he would prefer like I said that all players stand and and, and, and you know support the, the anthem um, but like I said I think this is the most under understanding he's shown um, about these issues since he's been owner of the team, that's for sure. With Dallas being America's team, I've been thinking about this recently. They're, they're in a tricky spot, whether you're a player, whether you're Jerry Jones. Well, not tricky. That's a bad word. But it feels like part of being America's team is representing all of America. And when I say all with an emphasis on it like that, D- Dallas really does have fans of all kinds. Like, it's not just like... Uh, deep you know, southerners or you know that you're down there like Dallas really had I went to the uh, pregame um, for the 2018 playoff game Dallas and Seattle and I was in the parking lot when there was tailgating and I was like this is all of America in one parking lot like there's really a little bit of everything there how do you think understand that that's how the fan base is that it, it does have a little bit of everyone or I'd say a lot of everyone how has that impacted how the Cowboys have reacted to a time when like blackness is at the forefront of everyone's mind. Yeah, no, you, you couldn't have said that any better. It is. You're absolutely right about that. You know, and that's something that I noticed, like I said, again, growing up outside of Metro Detroit um, and then moving down here at the end of 2010, I, I certainly noticed that too. You know, um, it, it just all races, nationalities. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of knew it from afar, you know, America's team and that, but I, when I got down here, I really noticed it. And yeah, you're absolutely right about that. The, the one thing I'll say is like, you know, you, when you, yeah, you do have fans, uh, uh, you know, all different types of fans and all different races and nationalities. And so you hear from, you know, different, different races. They want it. They want to be represented, obviously. But what's interesting to me about this is just kind of the way, like I'm trying to think of a good example. Like, all right, so like right before week one on the team's Instagram page, there was just a random picture of like Mike McCarthy. I think it was at, at like it was like in a, at one of the team's practices or whatever. And I don't know why, I just happened to click on the picture and I looked in the comments and I swear like fifty of the first maybe hundred comments were all like people saying these. You, you know, you better stand for the national anthem. Every, all these players better stand or I'll never watch the NFL again. I could not believe how many people were saying that in, in these comments. Like I was like, because I don't get that on, on my Twitter and my, my tweets are 95% cowboy stuff. That's pretty much all I tweet. From. And I just didn't get that feeling at all. But then when I looked at those comments, I was like, 
man, there are a lot of people that are like really going to be angered by this. And so I don't know if that's what the team feeds off. And now when I say the team, I don't mean the players. I mean like the organization, I should say right, right. that, you know, they see that from so many fans that they feed into that. I don't know if it's because of that. I don't know if it's because of sponsors, you know, are, are the, are the big money sponsors? Are they the ones that, that feel that way as well? Is that why Jerry so hesitant as well? Because he, he doesn't want to, you know, piss them off. I mean, you can really throw in factors on all of this stuff, you know, but you're absolutely right. It, it is a, it, it is a fan base that it is every, every race, uh, and, and every age group and, every part of the country, you know, I mean, that's one of the things about the Cowboys, like, you know, that home opener was going to be, it was in LA and, and it was supposed to be the opening of that SoFi stadium. And it would have looked terrible for the Rams because that, that place was going to be at least 50% Cowboys fans. Cause when we go out to training camp in California every year, Cowboys fans are everywhere. And so, yeah, no, you, you, you summed it up perfectly. It is, it is an interesting, they are an interesting study on this because you're absolutely right. They, they do represent all of America. Yeah, no, that, that that parking lot, that tailgate before that playoff game in 2018 opened my eyes. I was like, wow, I, re- I resonate with half the people over there and that other half over there. What the hell? Uh, <laughs> but it was it was fascinating, man. Uh, uh, let's let's jump into one of the other topics that's uh, dominating Cowboys headlines. I, I would I would assume is Dak Prescott's contract. Um, I'm, the numbers and stuff aren't really that intriguing to me as much as it is like I consider Jerry Jones a good businessman and it feels like. The way this is being played by Dallas and Jerry specifically seems to be bad for business. Like, wait, the longer you wait, if you're going to pay this guy, you're costing yourself more money as the market resets. Like, what what is Jerry's end game with with Dak's contract right now? All right, I know it's tough times for a lot of folks out there, but if you want to save a little bit of cash, fifty dollars is more affordable than any other cable providers. With the NFL season around the corner, Fubu. TV will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to fubu.tv backslash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. That's fubu.tv backslash athletic. Start your first month today. That's what we're all kind of wondering because in covering this team, again, like I just, I compare it to growing up watching the Lions. Like the Lions had a good player. There wasn't. It wasn't always guaranteed that that player was going to resign with the Detroit Lions because it really doesn't have a good good reputation as an organization. Like the Cowboys keep whoever they want. Like everybody that they want, that they resign. Like I know that there'll be people that like when I say that they'll point to like Demarco Murray like leaving after he set you know the all time season single season rushing record back in 2014 and he goes and signs with the Eagles. Yeah, that's because they really didn't want him. That they thought that with our offensive line, they can plug in another back. And then, like Demarcus Ware left uh, to go to Denver, and I think some people would argue, "Well, they didn't keep." Now nah, they were ready to move on because of the money that Demarcus was looking at, looking for, and where he was at in his career. But they absolutely want Dak Prescott, and so you've seen them just on this recent team, like Ezekiel Elliott, Jalen Smith, uh, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Amari Cooper. Like the guys that they really want to keep, they resign, and and even if it means, make, I mean, Amari's one of the highest paid receivers. Lawrence is one of the highest paid DNs. You know, Zeke's the highest paid running back. Like they haven't shied away from that. But with the, with with the Dak thing, I just always got the feeling that they kind of thought it was going to be like previous times where you know they got these long term deals done with 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 Romo and 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 then obviously with Aikman back in the nineties and stuff. And where it was like, well, these guys are going to be happy to play. You're you're, you're you know, you're the quarterback of America's team. This is one of the most like glamorous positions anybody can want. I'm sure they'll take a little bit less. Well, when Dak switched agents a few years ago to Todd France and CAA, 
uh, who Tad Francis since left at CAA, you know, he's got a reputation that he's not taking deals. There's no, there's no team friendly, uh, you know, uh, we're going to give you a bargain with the Cowboys, you know? And so they're kind of at a stalemate because I think the Cowboys thought that Dak would have given in by now. In fact, I don't think I know that the Cowboys think that he thought he would have given in by now. And so since he hasn't, we're kind of sitting here, we're like, man, if he keeps balling like this and the strength of this team is clearly all of the offensive weapons they put around him. So it, it projects that he's going to continue to put up good numbers. And it's like, if you guys don't pay him, somebody else will. And in your own division, you saw how Washington mishandled Kirk Cousins situation with his franchise tags and then lost him. So it's like, it is interesting because I'll tell you this right now, like especially I can say this right now, coming off a game that I think might be Dak's most impressive, I can't even guarantee you they get a deal done this offseason and he doesn't play under the tag next year for $38 million or whatever it is. Like I can't 100% guarantee you it'll get done. I, I, I think they'll work at it even harder than they, they have up to this point, but I can't guarantee you that, that he doesn't go into next season playing his second year under the franchise tag. Wow. Uh, whew, that would be uh, – yeah, with, with having the Kirk Cousins example right next door um, – that's yeah, that's ridiculous on Dallas's part. Answer me this: What do you think will happen? Not just this off season, just like Dak's gonna get paid, obviously, by someone. Who do you think it'll be? I do think it'll be the Cowboys. I, I just think that the longer that the two sides work at it, I just think it makes too much sense. And while I think Dak could play hardball and get a Kirk Cousins type situation where he could go to a team that's basically just a, a very well-built team defensively has some weapons on offense basically the viking situation team ready to win just missing that quarterback piece and willing to pay the money for him and i could see him playing hardball potentially be interested in that so i'm, I'm not going to completely say it's 100 percent he'll, he'll i think he'll be with the cowboys but i would put at 90 percent chance that he ends up playing long term with the cowboys just because of he wants to be the cowboys quarterback I know he's disappointed that a long-term deal hasn't been done up to this point, but he like this team is the perfect fit for him. He's comfortable here. He he he. This is where he wants to be. Um, he's. I I, I'm, I hate to say this because I don't want to I don't want to forget any NFL players, but I mean outside of like maybe maybe Patrick Mahomes, I feel like he's one of the most marketable guys, just because of the way he carries himself, his image, and he's. Frankly, he's good at doing commercials, so he has like a lot of, I mean, and all the brands want to associate with the Cowboys star quarterback. I mean, two years ago, I was sitting up in the press box, and I was just flipping through the the game program, and you know how like in the game program, like one every two or three pages is like an advertisement for something, and the Cowboys have like, it's like Pepsi, Tostitos, you know, Ford, Bank of America, like all those, like, you know, those types of stuff. And it was like almost Dak had a deal with almost everyone. It was like every other page you flipped to, it would be like Dak for like uh, AT and T. It would be Dak for like eating Tostitos. It would be it would be Dak with with uh, sleep number beds. It would be Dak with. I mean, it was just like he just has all these endorsement deals to the point where he he's made more money off endorsements than he had uh, uh, through his first four years in the NFL. So you put all that together, it just it makes too much sense for him to stay they stay here, even if it means giving in a little bit. But obviously, the Cowboys have to give in a little bit too, and I think eventually they will. But I just don't know that it, it might not get drawn drawn out a little bit longer than than people are expecting. Oh, it has to get drawn out, man. That's what you can't have Dallas Cowboys without some drama. Come on, they're they're all over everyone's TVs. First things first is addicted to them. It, it's great stuff. Uh, this is my favorite question that I ask every person who comes on the show that covers it, uh, another team. Is Dak Prescott good? Erectile dysfunction. That's something that's not easy to discuss. Usually, 
We make excuses. We're not up for it. Sometimes we just avoid having that entire discussion about what's going on below the belt. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe you real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet, a.k.a. In other words, that means nobody needs to know about this. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for erectile dysfunction, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. It's easy to get started. Just go to GetRoman.com slash Hawks. Again, visit GetRoman.com slash Hawks to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Hawks for a free visit to get started. GetRoman.com slash Hawks. Yeah, there's no, there's no question about that. I mean, I would have said that, you know probably a year or two ago, but there's just things that he's done and he continues to do where I think the biggest thing is, is that I don't see like a finished product. Like, I don't think that I've seen him play at his best yet, you know, and, and he's played well. Um, but I, I, I just think that there's just so much room for an improvement. And also the fact that I just know I, I, I've been around him enough to know the type of person he is, the drive that he has. Like, there's just like, there's really no settling with him. And, I just again, like the weapons that they've put around him and things like that. Like I just, I, I, I just see him being good for a long time. And one of the things that helps him out, maybe even more than any of the other things, is just he's so durable. And uh, it, it's tough to find a quarterback like that who he just doesn't miss games. And when, and when he comes out of games, it's like for maybe a, a play or two, and he's right back out there. I mean, he's built like a linebacker, but um, there's just so much. There's so much about him, the team leader. I mean, everybody rallies behind him. He won this team over as a rookie, and that team was led by Tony Romo. Like there's just, I mean, there's just, he checks off every single box. So yeah, no, he, he's a good quarterback. If you want to get in the argument of like the, the great ones in that, I, I don't think you can put him there until he has the postseason success, but I don't think there's any question. He's a good quarterback. Well, I would agree with that. I think he's also a good quarterback and you also have a good wide receiver in Amari Cooper and Amari Cooper. Oh, okay, ha- real quick, real quick. Let, oh, yeah. let me add this in here real quick. I, I would say just because I'm talking to you guys, I would say, the hope for the Cowboys that he ends up being like the guy that you guys cover, mm-hmm. you know, and, and ends up being like a Russell Wilson type guy that I, I, cause I feel the same way about Russell where I just, I don't know that I've seen his best ball yet as even as long as he's played, I just feel like he keeps getting better. And so I just see some similarities there uh, between the two of them, but sorry to cut you off. <laughs> oh no, you're good. I was just going to reference Amari Cooper and yes, he's a good wide receiver, but I found one of the tweets that you posted about Amari Cooper on Ezekiel Elliott's Feed Me Tattoo. And I quote Amari says, I like it. That's definitely Zeke's personality. He brings a lot of energy. He wants to be fed. The world knows he wants to be fed. He wants to help the team in any way he can. All right, John, do you have any tattoos? I don't know. No tattoos. But do you like the tattoo? You can you can judge here. We're not going to send it to a, to Zeke. What do you think about the tattoo, really? Give it, Give us your details on this, man. I, I like the idea of a feed me, like written feed me tattoo for him because it's 100% his brand and it will be his brand for the rest of his life. <laughs> I don't like the idea of a stomach tattoo. <laughs> and, and the reason why I say that is because, like, as you get older, that's the toughest spot on your body to keep in shape. Like, you see older people that will, like, work out a lot and, and like, might even have, like, you know, might be still, like, pretty huge, but... They don't have that six pack anymore. As you get older, there's just like the aging process on your stomach is generally not going to be good. And so what's that going to look like 
when you might not have forget a six pack when you might when you have like a, a gut you know <laughs> later on in life and you just got feed me with a spoon on your stomach like I, that's the part where and, and here's the thing like too which which is interesting like he's a super super physical running back as physical as, as there is i mean he's just getting in collisions all the time like car accidents many times throughout all these games and stuff like that and he's got and he's he's covered in tattoos and he said that the stomach one was the most painful like he said even the next day he was still like in pain from it and i was just kind of like if that guy says it's painful, like I don't know why anybody's getting any any stomach tattoos, but no, the feed me thing with the spoon and that, I think I think it's good and and it is his brand, but I'm I'm just not a stomach tattoo person at all. <laughs> no, I I just thought it was funny that he got that tattoo and showed it off because I was kind of thinking, wow, you put feed me on there, but he like I mean when he gets a first down, he he's chomping at the cereal, whatever he's eating. He scores a touchdown. He's showing the stomach, and I mean it fits him perfectly. But I do want to take a turn and look at the look at one receiver on your guys' team was a rookie and C.D. Lamb. And right now he has he look. I mean the stats say he's playing well, but you've watched this team practice. You've watched this team play week in and week out, and we're two weeks in. What have you seen from C.D. Lamb, and what is the Dallas Cowboys' expectations for this young talent? Oh man, I, I will say this, like, I don't know how it was exactly for you guys with, with the COVID protocols in terms of what, what you got to see and what the team did, but having a new coach in Mike McCarthy and then having the COVID restrictions and not being out in California, having the training camp here in Texas, everything was a lot more limited I, on the information you could draw from it. It was just like, it wasn't like it had been in years past. And so hopefully that changes as we go forward, but because of that, it was it was really hard to just come out of it and honestly sit there and say, like, man, this guy really caught my eye or this guy was awful in, in, in camp practices. Like, they're in trouble this year at this position. It was just like there wasn't enough to see. They're not tackling to the ground. There's no preseason games. With all of that being said, the only reason that you knew C.D. Lamb was a rookie in these training camp practices was because the Cowboys have a thing where none of the rookies have a, a star on their helmet until, you know, the season arrives. Or, or when they would play preseason games. So he didn't have a star in the helmet until like the practices leading up to the, the first game. But because, but without that, you would have never thought that he was a rookie. I mean, returning punts, t- you know, taking uh, jet sweeps, uh, line up in the slot, line up on the outside. Just like none of it like seemed like it was too big for him. And I guess it, it shouldn't have surprised me just because that's basically how it's been is most of his life. I mean, high school was like that. And then he hit the ground running at, at Oklahoma and that continued that even though every single, I mean, here's the thing about CD lamb, like, all right. So in the last what five years, he's had five different, well, no, yeah. Last four years, he's had four different quarterbacks. I mean, you go back to his senior year at high school and then he had three different quarterbacks. So yeah, Dak's his fifth quarterback in five years. Uh, he just has had a different quarterback every single year. And so, and he just adapts all of them. I mean, he has his, QB friendly as you can be, and I just really think he's only scratching the surface. Uh, uh, there's not a, really a weakness in his game. He is like a wide receiver version to me of of, of, of kind of like what I think of Ezekiel Elliott, where he'll block, he, he can he can take jet sweeps, he can play on the inside, he can play on the outside, he can make contested catches, and then he's great at yards after the catch. I mean, so and we've already seen that just in the first two games. Um, you know, his ceiling is ridiculously high. It just every time I watch him, I feel like I come away asking, how did he fall to 17? What is the knock on him? Why did he, why was he still there? It's, I, I can't understand it. I really can't. Like, I, I, I mean, great guy to talk to. Like, I mean, there's no, like, 
not that I've found any, any, you know, checkered history or anything in the past that would have, you know, brought up any red flags on him in the draft. I don't understand how he was there at 17, but, uh, I, I mean, he's, he's got the chance to be one of the, one of the best receivers in the league for, for a while. And speaking of one of the best receivers in the league, you guys do have Amari Cooper, who is, I think, an elite route runner in this league. Mike and I go back and forth on the route run discussion, but we're not going to even get into that. How do you think the Cowboys will even approach this game when you look at right now the Seahawks? They're dead last in passing yards and passing yards they give up against opposing teams. I mean, you look at what they did against the Falcons. They gave up over 400 yards to Matt Ryan. And then Cam, he had 397 are you getting the feel that, you know what, the Cowboys are going to come in to Seattle and they're going to look to be attacking with young C.D. Lamb, with Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup? Do you see that? You know, I, I do just because of the way they ended this last game. And it just seemed like when they had to go up-tempo just because they needed to because they were just getting blown out of the building, that was when they were at their best. Uh, I just want to point out that there is uh, one of their key pieces is missing from what they thought they'd have going in the season in, in Blake Jarwin, their tight end, who really was going to put them in 11 personnel the entire season just because they loved having him as their receiving tight end. He tore his ACL in, in the first game, and so he's out for the season. So, But even with that, you know, they, they move to other tight ends that aren't quite on his level as pass catchers and that, but it really is about those three receivers. Um, and just going off of what Seattle's done so far, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't try and put up the big numbers like that or at least attempt to because in both teams I mean they just you see on both teams that their defenses just aren't there they're not gonna they're not gonna really stop any high-powered offense they're having a hard enough time stopping average offenses so um I think the thing going into this season and especially in the first game the Cowboys had against the Rams there were a lot of fans getting upset because they were running Zeke so much particularly on first down and one of the reasons they do that is because I mean their defense you you can't there's just the defense cannot be out in the field too long or it'll just get exposed. And so running Zeke is like, Hey, let's get these two or three yards and let, more important, let's keep the clock running. Let, you know, let's keep this, you know, let's keep our defense on the sideline as much as we possibly can. Well, in this game, I just don't see how that's going to be possible. Both teams, I think are going to have to score a lot of points. I don't, you know, I don't see how this game doesn't end up at least in the thirties and maybe even forties just because of the defensive play. And that's the thing about the Cowboys defense. Like they're, they're still adapting to what is this kind of this hybrid four, three, three, four, a lot more three, four looks than what they've had in the past. And you can tell Everson Griffin and Demarcus Lawrence aren't quite comfortable in it yet. So what this defense looks like now is probably not the same as it'll look in in, in a few weeks, but as of right now, you can tell they're still going through growing pains in this adjustment of, of the coaching staff. Looking at your rushing offense, you guys are averaging 130 yards, which puts you at 11th in the NFL. The Seahawks' run defense is actually really good. They're not allowing teams to run all over them. I think, well, I want to hear your thoughts on it. How do you think the offensive line is going to react with this defensive line and the fact that their linebackers and the Seahawks and corners are able to make plays and not allow running backs to get loose? Do you see that maybe being an issue for the Cowboys? Yeah, absolutely. And and one of the biggest reasons why is because the Cowboys have built up this reputation over the last six plus years of having, you know, quote unquote, the best offensive line in football. And it's like, yeah, that was, that was worth a conversation in, in 14 and 16, but like since then it's been kind of dropping off a little bit. And one of the biggest reasons why is because of injuries. And so you start this season, Lyle Collins, I thought was one of their, I mean, outside of Zach Murray, I thought Lyle Collins was their second best offensive lineman last year. Uh, their, their starting right tackle. And he comes into this this season, and he's dealing with a hip issue. So he starts the, the season on the three-week uh, injured reserve. And so he's not going to be in this game for certain. Um, and then so he might be able to return the following week, but we still don't even know about that yet. And then Tyron Smith just missed the last game. They're, they're seven-time Pro Bowl left tackle. 
uh, because he's dealing with some neck stinger issues. And so as of right now, they're still uncertain if they're even going to have Tyron Smith for this game. And so if you're not having your two star offensive tackles, you're limited in what you can do. And so if you have a, a decent front coming at you, you know, they're going to be in a tough position because the guys that they're most likely would start if Tyron can't play are, are, are both undrafted rookie free agents. And, and yeah, they were, they were good enough to get the job done against the Falcons. And partly, you know, obviously there was some luck involved for them to even pull that game out. But like on the first three, on the first three pass plays of that game last Sunday, Dak was hit every single time. Like it looked like they wouldn't even be able to get off a simple little, like five yard little out route. Like it was, it was, embarrassing and then so the game just kind of went along and you know they they settled in in that but no the offensive line right now certainly they have zach martin who is probably gonna be a pro football hall of famer but outside of that it's it's really a patchwork offensive line so by by no means should anybody that's watching this game thinking that you're you're about to see one of the league's best offensive lines and they're just gonna let wear wear down the seahawks front with with zeke and the running game like they'll run zeke but they're gonna have to do it in a variety of ways it ain't gonna be simple just say we're gonna put a guy we're just gonna you know put two tight ends out here and try and run it down their throat i don't, I don't see that happening you know Mike McCarthy, what he's like two for two with having a controversial decision in uh, each of his first two games as the Cowboys. Uh, what's what's kind of been the early returns uh, on Mike McCarthy as a as a head coach? How have you thought about it? Uh, and uh, what's been the reaction from the fans uh, on their new uh, head coach? You know, I think both are, are similar. Uh, I would say the fans' feeling on him are, are similar to to myself and other writers that cover the team. Just in the conversations I've had with with other reporters, and that's but just for different reasons. And, and I would say that the overarching theme of this is just, okay, this is a lot different than Jason Garrett. That's, <laughs> I'd say, and, and Hey, in, in Dallas, I mean, you're talking about, there was a decade of Jason Garrett that you had, that you're used to. So it was like, there was a lot of things that you're just, whether it's covering the team, the way practices were structured, media availability, um, the way they would do certain things. Like you just, you kind of knew what to expect. And, and really a lot of people, myself included, think that's ultimately what cost Jason Garrett in the end was just because it just got too predictable. You know, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. Like they had good, play, they, have, they still have good players. They, he, he did a great job of, of, of bringing in talent and, and growing that talent. I still don't think Jason Garrett gets nearly enough credit for uh, helping develop Dak Prescott. Uh, he gets more blame for holding Dak back than helping develop him. But anyway, um, but because it's not Jason Garrett and it's Mike McCarthy, it's just like everything's different. Uh, just Jason Garrett's, it just was more conservative. Now it's just, it seems like there's a lot more risk taking and uh, yeah, it's just, it's only two games. So it's hard to sit there and say, this is exactly who Mike McCarthy is. Um, but from what I've seen, he's very, very, he's going to be very, very aggressive. He's going to take chances. And if they don't work out, he's just fine living with those. Uh, he knows that Jerry Jones has his back and that's really all that matters in, in his job. And he has a Super Bowl ring and, 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 that's exactly what the Cowboys want to get. So I know that, you know, they're willing to buy into what he does, but no, it just, it's very, very different from what it's been like over the last 10 years here. And, you know, so whether he, he hits on some of these gambles or not, I think there's a lot of people right now that are fans of the team that look at it as just like, Hey, this is just something fresh and new. I'm, I'm at least happy. We're seeing that we're happy that they're taking chances. So we'll see how that plays out over a full 16 games. You know, if, if they would have got blown out and lost that game by three touchdowns, like it looked like they were going to early on, maybe the feeling would be a little bit different, but right now the sense I get is that people like that there's change. Well, uh, 
you know, with with Mike McCarthy making those decisions, they're actually two like really nerdy ones from those first the first two games. I know he went for well went for two right against the uh, the Falcons, and everyone thought they should have kicked or not everyone, but traditionalists. I would yeah. say I forget what was the what was the call in the Rams game. He opted not to kick and go for it on fourth. Uh, is that that's what it was? Yep. Yeah. It was so, and it was on a uh, it was on a fourth and three play threw underneath to, to CD Lamb and, and they got the two yards but they needed one more and it was just on a kind of on a rub route situation where uh, they did just a great play by by the Rams safety. But I mean there was risk involved obviously instead of tying the game on a field goal, very makeable short field goal, they sit there and, and they went for it on fourth down. And they, I mean there's still plenty of time in the game. They still had time to win the game, but in that instance it they could have tied it right there and, and they didn't. And so it didn't work out for him in the first game. But then his gambles paid off in the second so uh, i bring those two up to say because you can learn a lot about a coach in today's nfl a head coach that is on um, what his asking his or uh, well, i guess not his or her but his stance on analytics so is is mike mccarthy a nerd is that what i'm gathering here that'd be good news for dallas i think but is that the case I, I, uh, again, because it's only two games and, and, and it's a very abbreviated offseason that we've had around him uh including the, the the times we've gotten a chance to talk to him so uh for me this is going to be a little bit more of an opinion than, than than I would say this is a fact. But what I've gathered from from him is that he he heard the criticism of himself because in a way he had his own Jason Garrett situation going on in Green Bay where it was like been here for a long time. Obviously, he had more success than Jason Garrett, but it was like you know you heard the stories of how it's kind of getting stale there, and then you see these stories about how he's you know having coaches come over and, and you know this past season when he didn't have it when he wasn't working and he had coaches come over and they were studying analytics and they were doing all this other stuff and it was like he was really trying to modernize himself at least that's what the narrative was and so now i feel like it's almost like he's going as far opposite as, as it was before where it's like well i'm just going to be hey people want to see risk they want to see analytics i'll show you risk and i'll show you analytics and so for me, I'm kind of enjoy it because it's like, hey, this could, this could be, this is going to be fun to watch, you know, from week to week to see what happens, you know. But I think that there's some football purists that have been covering the Cowboys for a long time that probably look at it as, man, this might be a little too wild for my liking. But <laughs> if they win games, people won't care. But if, if he's blowing games on just some just wild calls and, and, and just some huge risks and things like that, I think I think you could see some people turning on him right now. But as long as he wins games, I don't think people will care either way. But like I said, I think that the overarching thing is that people are just happy that it's something different. Uh, these are two franchises in the Seahawks and Cowboys that are linked to Earl Thomas, uh, though he does not play for either team, although he used to play for for this one. What, you've been covering this team. What is what is it about the relationship between Earl Thomas and the Cowboys? Like, was there something there when he got cut by Baltimore? Like, how long has there been interest on uh, on both sides? And do you think that, you know, there, there will be some interest going forward because Earl's still out there on the market? So I started covering this team in 2011. And... Outside of, let's see, I'll, I'll say the Dez overturn catch against Green Bay in the playoffs is probably the most memorable. The second most memorable moment is probably Odell Beckham's one-handed catch against the Cowboys. It's just the sickest catch that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, but third on my list is standing outside the Cowboys locker room in 2017 after the Seahawks beat them. And Earl Thomas came running to the, to the Cowboys locker room at AT&T Stadium. And I just... I'll never forget standing there, like, taking a double take. Like, I felt like I was the only person standing there. There were a few other media members, but I felt like I was the only person. I was like, it was like, am I seeing this? Like, I've never <laughs> seen another player. And the thing is, at at t Stadium, like, the locker rooms are nowhere near each other. Opposite sides, of this, and the stadium's huge. So 
to see, I was like, what is he doing? Like, I knew he, he was a Jordan brand guy, and Dez is a Jordan brand guy. And so I was like, oh, he might be trying to go talk to Dez because he didn't get to talk to Dez because Dez left right after the game was over because Dez was pissed. And so he was trying to do it, but as he comes running to the locker room, he's he like, Jason Garrett's right there, and he just grabs Jason Garrett. And, like, I'm five five feet in front of me. He, I can hear him plainly say, he's like, hey, if you guys ever have a chance, like, to come get me, come get me. And I was like, oh, my God. I can't. <laughs> I mean, I'm almost dropping my phone because I can't tweet this fast enough while trying to get a picture. I'm just like, oh, my. I cannot believe this is happening. Like, this is amazing. Like, Cowboys fans are going to eat this up. He's a Texas Longhorn star. He's, he's first of all, he's a, he's a superstar safety, at least at that time. Uh on it, and the Cowboys are a team that hasn't invested in safety in like well over a decade. And so it just like, it just fits perfectly together. And so ever since then they've been linked and it just, it was very clear that if, if Earl ever got a chance to become a free agent, he would, you know, Dallas would be high on his list and that Dallas would, would have interest in him. But then he goes into free agency last year and, and the Ravens just blew, blew everybody away with that offer they gave him. The Cowboys were never going to come close to that. That's for sure. And so I don't know if it's just because of the fact of, let me see. I'll put it to you this way. If Jason Garrett was still here, I think Earl Thomas is on this team because mm-hmm. I think Chris Richard is still uh, coaching on, on the defensive side of the ball, and that was just a, a perfect fit for that. With Mike McCarthy here, I don't know. I, I think because of how things soured for Earl in Baltimore and in Seattle, I mean, this is the comparison I always make. Like, if, if Earl if, – if things didn't work out for Earl with the Browns and the Lions, I can see how people would be like, yeah, but those organizations don't know what they're doing. But when like things don't work out for you in Seattle and Baltimore, like two of the best run organizations, you're just kind of like, there's something there. And so, and then as all these days, I mean, I thought, I thought they would make a run at him right when Baltimore let him go. And now look at us, we're, we're going into week three and still nobody has signed him. And so it, it's got me scratching my head because the Cowboys certainly need safety help. Um, but there's, there's more there to the fact that they don't, just don't appear to be very interested in him. So I, I, I don't know why it is, but until he signs with another team, there will always be people talking about Earl Thomas and the Cowboys. Wow. That is that is something else. If Coach Garrett was still there, Earl Thomas would definitely be in a Dallas Cowboy uniform. But at the end of the show, we always get predictions, and we do a little over and under. And week one, we had Tori. She works for the Athletic, of course, and she covers the Falcons. And we gave her the over and under for Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley to combine for – 200.5 yards. And of course, she went with the under. Julio and Calvin ended up going for 287 yards. The athletic reporters are 0 1. Let's see, John, can you get us back on track here, you think? I think so. I think so. I'm ready. All right, here we go. 250.5 receiving yards for Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb combined, over or under. Uh, yeah, I have to go over. I mean, but just all the big plays that that Seattle defense has given up, and just I feel like, and again, small sample size, it's only been two games, but from what I saw from that trio from week one to week two, uh, I just I still I just think their best ball is ahead of them. I, re- I really do. I just think that those those three are just uh, they just play off of each other so well. I, I just think that there's, I mean. Here's the thing, like I don't think the Cowboys are going to win this game, and I think it's going to be high scoring. So yeah, no over, no, no doubt. Yeah, you tease the prediction a little bit. You got the Seahawks, so that's good. Uh, right to start. Well, that's good for our fan base, at least. I would like for the Seahawks to go to go three and zero. That'd be great. I want a free trip to Florida in February, so that's selfish on my part. But uh, give us a give us a score, John. Who, who, what's the score of this uh, this one on Sunday? I'm gonna go uh, Seattle thirty five, Cowboys thirty. 
Oh, here we go. Same score as back Sunday back. night. Yeah. yeah, that would be. Seattle does have weird games like that where they score the exact uh, same. That would <laughs> that would be fun. They're, the way they did it last year, it was fun. They they beat Philly seventeen to nine in the regular season, like week eleven, and then beat Philly in the playoff game seventeen to nine. Uh, that was that was kind of kind of spooky. Uh, but that is John Mashota covering uh, the Cowboys for the Athletic. Please go check out his work. It's really good. Um, the Cowboys defense is really bad. Uh, Jerry Jones is really interesting. A lot of things going on there uh, in Dallas, and they have a good uh, quarterback. Uh, John, are you verified on Twitter? Oh, yes, sir. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's at John Mashota. So at J O N M A C H O T A. Oh, Chris. So it's just you. So. <laughs> It's all right. Uh, thank you, John, so much. Guys, listening to the show, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Make sure you follow John's work. Make sure you bully Chris in the call into the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me. We'll catch you guys after uh, Seahawks Cowboys on Sunday. We're out. You see, I don't have to drive me to say that for your mama. Maybe you should smoke some and try the marijuana. I was never you good. That the vibe was straight. Shows you a couple of things and they feel the strength. I treated you right. Everything was a gift from a time to your bag. And I tell her on your lip, yeah, you